Please listen carefully. And welcome in everyone to the Heard It Here Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Cooper Heard. It's a pleasure to have me with you here today. Uh, we talked a little bit of 2023 NBA draft. 2023 NBA draft could be taking place if six months or so from now, five or six months, uh, sometime in June uh, after the playoffs. Um, this is a this is a good draft. This is loading up to be one of the top drafts we've had uh, this millennia uh, in the 21st century, whatever you want to describe it as. Um, we've got a couple of superstars spearheading the class. Uh, Victor Wembanyama, one of the biggest, uh, pun intended, names in, frankly, sports. I would say, um, a seven foot four, potentially seven foot five, uh, big man out of France. He's about nineteen years old. His birthday. Uh, was back in January uh, 2004 birth date. Uh, so again, he's about a little over 19 years old. Um, he made the decision this past year to switch teams. Uh, he was previously playing for Asvel um, in France, switched over to a, another team in the uh, French League, Metropolitans 92. Um, I believe he actually moved over to this team uh, in part because the French national team coach, uh, who's a guy that he had, again, he, he had played on the French national team, uh, he has some relationship with. Um, he is the coach of Metropolitans. Part of the reason when Benyama went there is to play under him. Um, pretty clear he made a good choice, though. You look at his statistics year over year. Uh, he's playing about 18 minutes a game last year um, in pro league play, um, LNB pro league play um, over 16 games about 18 minutes a game was getting up eight field goals a game uh, scoring 9.4 points, putting up 1.8 blocks, which in 18 minutes is pretty remarkable. Um, honestly, if you look at his stat line for what it is, it being 18 minutes a game is pretty phenomenal. Um, but this year was able to bump those minutes up to 31 minutes a game, almost 32 minutes a game so far in 19 games of league play. Uh, and he has almost doubled his field goal attempts, up to 16 field goal attempts now in those 31 minutes. He's scoring 22 points. Uh, he is taking 5.5 three-pointers a game. He's making a, almost 30% of those, so not a huge percentage. But, I mean, 5.5 threes a game is like that's pretty good if you're looking at like a wing or a forward that you're looking to draft for a center. It's phenomenal. Um, you know, shoots 56% on his twos, which for a big man, traditionally you'd like to see that higher, but for a big man that takes off the dribble, pull up twos with regularity, I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, six, six free throws a game, shoots 80% on those. That's, that's kind of what you'd like to see. Uh, 3.3 blocks per game, which is really cool. And a stat that's kind of weird to mention, but kind of worth noting is that he's got 2.6 turnovers per game this year. Um, he actually averaged, again, 1.8 turnovers last year in 18 minutes. Not necessarily a compliment to his skill, but it is something worth noting that this is a guy that 
Um, I mean, if you've seen the highlights, you know that he's a guy that handles the ball. He likes to throw some pretty creative passes. Obviously, he's somebody that's trying to create his own shot off the dribble. So, you know, that type of player is always going to be prone to turnovers. But if you can capitalize, uh, you know, something like 22 points a game, and specifically if he can start really uh, becoming efficient on jump shots, um, and then obviously he's going to certainly have opportunities to capitalize around the rim. Um, you know, that's that's when he becomes a very dominant offensive player. Um, I, I think one thing that is worth noting is, you know, it. this is a section where when you talk about concerns, everyone always just says the only concern is injury concern and that that's overblown. Um, I don't know that that's the only concern about him, just in terms of him being touted as this international – sorry – this generational prospect who's potentially a better prospect, if not the greatest since LeBron James, you know, a better prospect than Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson. He, there's a very good chance he does live up to that reputation. I, I also think it is worth noting though, that his defensive fundamentals, his offensive fundamentals, um, but specifically, you know, his defensive and in, fundamentals instincts, you know, being in the right places, not necessarily the strongest, um, I do I, I have no doubts that Victor Wembanyama is going to get to be an incredible defensive and offensive player. Um, and I don't think that intelligence, um, not intelligence in terms of IQ points, but in terms of um, perception on the court, how quickly he picks things up in his reaction speeds, you know, how you know bas- basketball IQ for you know, to, to use a lazy term. Um, I don't doubt that he is going to get there. I do think there's a good chance that his first couple of years, he's not going to be, again, I think there's a good chance he doesn't win rookie of the year. I think there's a good chance he's not like an all-star by age 22 or 23. I think it's going to take him a few years to become a true bona fide superstar or star. I think it's going to happen first on the defensive end, but I, even then I think it's going to take a little bit of time because he is pretty raw in terms of, um, not his instincts, you know, he's got rim protection instincts, he's got scoring instincts, he's got instincts, uh, but his consistency on both sides of the floor, I think, is going to take a little bit of time. Um, although there's also a good chance that I'm totally wrong and he just picks it up right away. And there's also a chance that he's a little bit behind and it just doesn't matter because, again, maybe being that big and that skilled is just such a game breaker that right away, um, he's just able to make an impact even being a half second slower than everyone else. Uh, or, you know, I, it's also possible I'm just misreading it and he's going to be super perceptive right away. Uh, you never really know what these guys, uh, especially the super talented ones like Wemby. A um, couple of things I wanted to mention, again, a, a defining skill of his, just being a game breaker. He's just, you know, the ultimate guy you have to try to plan around, but you'll never be able to plan around. He's taco fall, except, you know, more skilled and more mobile. He's bull bull, except more consistent. Uh, You know, I'm throwing out comps now. That's not really what I meant to do, but uh, I want to do sort of brand my comps as uh, brings to mind. So a couple of guys that Wimby brings to mind. Bulbul's a lazy comp, but also a decent one just in terms of being that big, that lengthy, and being able to specifically what I would compare the two of them on is uh, Bull Bull's ability to dribble drive uh, and handle the ball in transition, but specifically drive to the basket and finish. 
A um, couple other players he brings to mind. Ralph Sampson, I think, is probably the best comparison, although I'd be lying if I said I'd watched a bunch of Ralph Sampson clips, but the idea of being this freakishly, freakishly tall guy with some face-up skills that's almost more of a wing forward. I don't want to say a finesse play, player, but more of a skill player than a true big. Uh, I think KD is the other one that, again, just in terms of that, the fact that he is a big, long, lanky shooter, that's where the comparison comes in. A um, couple other things that I had come up with, uh, confidence meter in terms of how confident am I that Wimbenyama is going to end up around this range? I put him in a nine right th- right now. You never know, um, but I'm very confident in him being the top prospect. Um, and there not really being anyone to catch him. Um, you know, I'll talk about a couple more guys, but it's going to be tough to reach the heights that Wimbenyama has reached. Um, go ahead and launch into the next prospect now, though. So one thing to note is that I did try to do this in tiers. Yeah, I'm an NBA draft Twitter person. I, I have to do everything in tiers. Tiers are fun, though. Tiers are a good way to split people up. Uh, and it's a good way to shape your board before you actually put a number beside guys. I'd say the tiers are a lot stickier than the actual ranking on a lot of these. Uh, and one thing I would say the first thing that I would, could, would consider a little bit controversial and surprising uh, is that I don't have Scoot Henderson in a, in a tier of his own. I actually have him... Uh, in what I call my early lotto tier, which is kind of a general term, goes from picks two to eight. Um, and, and to reiterate, Wimbenyama was in his own tier. Uh, I called the tier number one. Uh, he was the only player in that tier. I feel like that's relatively self-explanatory. Uh, I feel like I, I feel like that tracks. Uh, I'm pretty comfortable with that tier. Um, my next tier, the early lotto tier, number two. It isn't going to be a huge surprise. It is Scoot Henderson. Um, not trying to blow, blow anyone's brains here. Um, I mean, he's one of the most explosive athletes I've ever seen. Um, I think if you're ranking the dog potential of these players, um, you know, the one that's going to have the most of that John Morant sort of us against the world, get my teammates to rally around me, you know, quote unquote swagger. Scoot Henderson's got that. Scoot Henderson is an absolute ball player. He's like absolute gamer. Um, he's also, again, one of the most athletic in terms of burst, agility, ability to handle the ball at high speeds. Um, you see why he gets comparisons to guys like Derek Rose, De'Aaron Fox. John Wall is one I don't know that I've really seen. Um, I don't know that he's quite... I think John Wall was maybe a little bit bigger, a little bit more of an open court guy, whereas Scoot, a lot of his, the beauty of his game is more half court, how quickly he can get, it's like his zero to 60, how quickly he can get up to full speed. Um, Scoot's a guy that, I mean, I'll be honest, I I haven't watched him as much as some of the other prospects just because I kind of know what his game is. Uh, G League Ignites also is not the most accessible platform in the world at this point in time but you know scoot we know what he is he's the best shot creator in this class um i believe in his shot being a pretty rel- a relatively effective weapon in terms of just him being able to catch and shoot threes i think he's become a pretty deadly pull-up shooter uh, specifically in the mid-range and i i bet you he gets like a pretty functional floater uh he's a guy that seems to have pretty good touch which i'm willing to bet on touch over um pure makes or misses you know i want to see you being able to take shots and at least be close on most of them um but touch i think is it's very difficult to quantify so it's a little bit of a cop out but i think touch is huge and i think scoot's got touch 
Um, again, I think he's the best shot creator in this class. Another guy, my confidence meter, I've got at a nine. I just think it's going to be really tough for anyone to de, um, dethrone him just because people have said this. I do think he would have been the top pick in most drafts. I think he would have been the top pick over Paolo last year without a question. I think he would have been in his own tier for almost everybody. Uh, and Paolo is fantastic. Paolo has turned out a little bit better than we thought, uh, I think, collectively. Um, I think Scoot and him would have ended up having a healthy debate for rookie of the year. But I think um, at the time of the draft, Scoot would have been the guy. Um, you compare him to two years ago, Cade Cunningham. I think you're probably taking Scoot over Cade Cunningham. I don't know that for sure. Uh, I think if Cade was 6'8", it'd be different. But I think you're taking Scoot just because of, again, that game-breaking athleticism that I don't think Jalen Green had as much, as much athleticism as Scoot Henderson. And I don't think Scoot... Um, Jalen Green had quite the flash and the personality, maybe sort of the, I don't know, like the mixtape to his game almost. That might be underselling Jalen Green. I mean, Jalen Green was a phenomenal prospect. Like he was, Scoot's probably not that much different than him as a prospect. Um, But I don't know. I mean, again, Jalen Green was probably in contention for the number one pick. You go back three years ago, Ant Edwards, I'd take Scoot up against Ant Edwards, maybe over him. Uh, Zion's the first one where I'm definitively like, no, Zion, I'm taking over Scoot. But, you know, Scoot, Scoot's in that echelon of number one overall pick consideration, which um, that's pretty huge if you're getting that with the number two overall guy. Uh, guys who he brings to mind, the easy ones, I sort of mentioned him earlier, you know, Derek Rose is probably the easiest comp, but just, you know, ultra quick, but like with skill and touch. That's what Scoot Henderson is. And again, um, I feel like this is going to become way more of a phrase than it should, for me, should be for me, but he's got dog, dog factor. He's ultimate dog factor. He's got, he's, he contain that dog is within, within Scoot Henderson. Absolutely. Um, third guy on my board. This is another one. This is pretty much scratch with, I think what you would see as a consensus board, but Brandon Miller out of Alabama, Brandon Miller has been by far the best guy as a freshman in college, probably a top five college player overall. I mean, I get that like Zach Eady and Jalen Wilson are probably having better seasons, but Brandon Miller, especially as a guy who has, I believe I checked synergy relatively recently, but his most common play type is as a pick and roll initiator as a six, nine wing. I mean, that's, that's incredible to have that play type be your leading play type as a as the best player on one of the best college teams in the country. As a guy who, yes, he is, I believe he is currently 20 years old. Yes, he's 20 years old. His birthday was back in November. Um, so, you know, he's a full year over Wimbanyama. Uh, he would be about, I think he's a full year and a half over someone like Ryan, uh, yeah, Ryan Repair. Uh, two years over Gigi Jackson, but he's still 20 years old. I mean, that's really still nothing. I mean, you know, if if, if Brandon Miller was a sophomore, he was doing what he was doing right now, and say he played five minutes a game last year, like we would still think of him as a top three pick, I think. I mean, we didn't hold Jaden Ivey being whatever, probably 20 last year against him. Um, so I think Brandon Miller is a phenomenal prospect. I think he's, again, someone that's been – pretty heavily discussed i don't know that i have a ton more insight to offer 
Um, I think he's a guy, you know, I talk, you talk about touch. I think he's a guy with touch uh, and just sort of good basketball feel. Um, I like the fact that he is somebody that's a guy that's comfortable on the ball, but not just in either dribble drive. He, he can do lots of stuff, right? He can dribble drive. He can shoot off the dribble. He can pass off, you know, like a live dribble, which I like that sort of thing, right? You want to be dynamic off the dribble. That's how you actually get on ball reps. I mean, if you're getting on ball reps, cause you can just shoot, pull up threes. That's one thing. If you really want to get heavy on ball reps in the NBA, you're going to need to like, you're, you're going to need a variety of skills. That's why, uh, you, you know, there's several guys on this list that I think have, it's, it's pretty fundamental, but can you dribble? Can you pass? Can you shoot? And if you can specifically, can you pass while dribbling and attacking and can you shoot off the dribble? Um, those are the three real main skills as an offensive player. And Brandon Miller can absolutely do all three of those. Also, he's six foot nine. So it's pretty nice. Um, as far as confidence meter, I've currently got Brandon Miller at a five. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just a little bit nervous just with how I'm evaluating this type of player. Again, a six, nine guy. This is the type of guy that evokes the comparisons of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. When Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler, the guys that get evoked, I get really nervous because those are like incredible developmental stories. But Brandon Miller is much more developed as a college player than say Paul George was. There's a reason Brandon Miller's mocked to go three in a hyper competitive draft. And Paul George went, I believe 10th, uh, ninth or 10th overall, right? These are different levels of prospects in terms of what they're doing in college. Um, but I do still get a little nervous with Brandon Miller. I mean, he's not like an incredible explosive run and jump athlete or like the most, you know, coordinated guy in the world. Like he's got a great shot a solid dribble, but I wouldn't say his dribble is like phenomenal. I don't think he's, he's not like a point guard or anything. Right. Um, a guy I actually had as a compare, somebody that he brings to mind for me is Gordon Hayward. Um, I don't know how fair that is, but just a guy that again has the base level of, I can dribble, I can pass off the dribble. I can shoot off the dribble. Um, I can be in the right spot. People respect me on and off ball. And also I'm six foot eight or six foot nine, right? I mean, that's a huge part of being a good basketball player uh, is being able to do those three things. And then the taller you are, the better. Um, so Brandon Miller is a guy that, you, again, I have him as a five right now in my confidence meter, but I can see him shoring that up. I would say the reason I have him as a five is just because I could see a couple of guys flashing as like real superstar talent, specifically uh, a guy down in Houston I think could end up being my third overall guy. Um, University of Houston, not Houston, the Rockets. Uh, I don't think anyone in the Rockets is going to be on my board. That wouldn't really make sense. So that's probably not going to happen. Uh, as far as the defining skill I marked for Brandon Miller, uh, I, I kind of wanted to generalize these, make them kind of archetypal. Um, but big shooter with skill, right? Brandon Miller, I know he's probably more than that. You know, again, he's doing pick and roll reps, but he's a big shooter. That's his best thing. He's a guy with skill. I think that's what really defines Brandon Miller as a basketball player. So on to pick four of my lottery, big board 1.0. So number four on my big board, um, Cam Whitmore out of Villanova. This is, I would say, where the draft really starts to get tricky. I think Brandon Miller has kind of solidified himself as the consistent number three. 
Um, I mean, Thompson may have something to say about that, but recently I feel like I've seen Brandon Miller start to creep in that spot a little more often. Um, but for me, I don't have Amon uh, next. I've got Cam Whitmore next. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I was impressed about, I think Cam Whitmore is probably more like 6'6". Six, six. He's listed on, on excuse me. He's listed on ESPN as being six foot seven, two hundred and thirty pounds. I think he's a little more like six six. Um, if he was six seven, it, even I think if he was six eight, he would be really a contender to be number three, maybe even number two. Um, but as a six six guy, I was really impressed with actually how he's more of a guard. Uh, he's got like guard skills more than he is a wing or what he's listed on ESPN as a forward. Um, he is a guy that's comfortable creating his own shots off the dribble, creating his own shot from three. Uh, he has only played, oh boy, how many games has he played this season? He has not played too many games this season. Uh, I believe he's played 14 exactly uh, and eight games started, not because I'm looking on ESPN. I just happen to remember that. Um, but he, his first game of the season was uh, beginning of December. He had some injury issues that were keeping him out. I'm not 100% sure uh, what part of the body uh, he was dealing with, but he seemed not to really have any uh, issues with injury since he's come back. Uh, you know, it didn't take him long to start scoring. He had 21 points in his second game against Penn, uh, 19 in his third game against Boston College. Uh, his biggest game of the season was against Xavier, where he had 26 points on 11 of 18 shooting, uh, three of seven from three. Um, but overall, you know, I would say he's been pretty up or down. You know, he's had, let's see, he's had five, it looks like six games in single digit scoring. He's had three games over 20 points. Um, he's consistently getting his shots up though. I will say, um, at this point, you know, he's generally averaging, you know, I'm saying between 13 to up to 18 shots for the savior game. Um, Kim Whipple is a shot creator. He's I'm a little surprised. I thought he was going to be more of like a three and D wingish type, more of like this athletic, like, Oh, well, let's see what we can turn him into an offense. No, he's a shot creator already. He likes to dribble. He likes to shoot the ball. Um, I actually am going to be curious as a C how well he can stick in a defensive system. Cause I think his defensive consistency consistency right now is a little lacking. I wonder if that's a little exposed because he's at Villanova. And if he was at a place like South Carolina, that just kind of sucks totally. Uh, if his defensive lapses would sort of blend into the pack, but Cam Whitmore can struggle on defense. Um, he's athletic enough though, to stay in front of anybody. Uh, and in his last, what his last five games, he's started grabbing some steals. He's got two steals, three steals, four steals, three steals, and one steal in his last five games. So, you know, that'll be nice if he can start getting his hands on some balls. Um, but it, I, the big thing with him again is defining skill as a shot creator, which I was kind of stunned by. Um, a 6'6 hyper athletic shot creator is something that is worth rolling the dice on in the top five, I would say, even in this stack draft. Um, someone that he brought to mind for me was Anthony Edwards. Again, it's always tough when you compare someone to a number one overall pick, but I mean, the, listen to the words I'm saying. He's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, hyper-athletic shot creator um, that has almost too much athleticism to shoot as many jump shots as they do, um, but love the jump shot, have defensive potential, 
just need to settle down and get to a real team, have some real stakes for some real responsibility. I wonder if Cam Whitmore was playing on Georgia instead of Villanova, if he'd be averaging uh, closer to 20 points a game Um, and maybe, you know, look a little bit more like an offensive threat like Anthony Edwards did. But, you know, nonetheless, I still think Cam Whitmore is looking like a great prospect. I'm taking him at four overall on my draft board. Uh, Number five, a similar type of player in terms of what I've got marked as their defining skill. This is another guy that is a shot creator, highly touted coming out of high school. Uh, So far, we've got five guys that are not necessarily college freshmen with Oemanyama and Scoot being uh, overseas in G League, respectively, but all guys that are in the 2022 high school class. Uh, number five on my board is Keontae George playing for Baylor right now out of IMG Academy. Keontae George just looks like he has the potential to be a number one scorer on your team in the NBA. And if that's, if that's the case, then this is a guy that you need to try to take as highly as possible. Um, I have watched probably more of Keontae George than I have with most prospects. I think, well, you talk about Scoot Henderson. I mentioned earlier how he's got that dog in him, right? That's a, one of my favorite phrases, although I always feel awkward saying it. Man, Keontae George has that dog in him. But Keontae George is like, I, I tweeted this relatively recently, but Keontae George is going to be the dude that like every NBA player is like, I love Keontae George. He's going to be like the new Jamal Crawford, Lou Will, Kyrie Irving level of like, just revered for his basketball skill. And I think Keontae George, what makes him amazing is how he, he's how soft, not soft-spoken, but he leaves everything to his game. He's never somebody that talks, gets down, yells at the refs. He's very level-headed, very much someone that just never really shows emotion, um, can be a little bit ambitious with a shot t- sometimes, but I mean, I just trust him to be a guy that I can trust him 82 games in a season to be my best player overall, and he's going to give me 25 points a game, and he's going to be relatively consistent. And when we're having a bad stretch, and when he's missed 15 three-pointers in a row, I think he's going to take the 16th three-pointer, and I think he's going to think it's going in, and I'm going to think it's going in. I just think he is a really good offensive player, Again, I'm going to go back to touch. I think he's got really good touch. I think for a guy that is 6'4", maybe even 6'3", I think he's pretty burly and brawny. I think the fact that he can survive in Baylor's defensive system is a good thing. Same with Cam Whitmore. You know, both of them have uh, – it's funny. They are kind of similar in this way. They both have defensive lapses, but I think they've got the body and the athleticism to hold up. Cam Whitmore more than Keontae, but – Keontae, I think, will be fine. Um, you're just going to have to train him to get through screens. And, you know, maybe if he's the number one uh, option on your offense, maybe he's not working quite as hard. But I think if he's not in a primary offensive role, like, I think he'll be solid on defense. I don't think that'll hold him back. Um, my confidence meter, which I didn't mention this for Cam Whitmore, but I was at a four for Cam. Uh, I'm at a five for Keontae. Uh, a little more confident in Keontae than Cam, just because Cam has been a little bit more consistent with his offense. Uh, in terms of really more the attempts uh, rather than the makes. Keontae certainly had his fair share of misses 
Um, but I am more consistent or more comfortable with Keontae's diet being a little more consistent. I feel like I know what I'm getting out of him uh, as, a, as an offensive player. Um, but even still, you know, Keontae, having him as high as number five, you're really betting that this guy can either be your best or second best offensive player. Like if he's not that, he's not worth a top five pick. He's probably not worth a top 10 pick in this draft. Um, again, he's 6'3". I think he's pretty strong. I think he's got some decent size, but he's, you know, it's not like he's got a 6'11 six, six, wingspan or something. Like he's, um, you know, he, he's going to have to just be a really good scorer. I, I, a comparison I've heard from, um, I believe it was, on the Locked On Big Board podcast, uh, Raphael Barlow's podcast, but I believe Leaf Tulin was a guest on there and made a comparison to Jamal Murray for Keontae George. I think that makes sense in the turn in, in that just them being professional scorers. Um, I think you can kind of point to anyone in that mold. Uh, the Jamal Murray, um, Donovan Mitchell, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Zach Levine. They're sort of this mold of like high level scoring guards sort of the resurgence of the shooting guard. Um, Keontae is a little bit less athletic than somebody like, say, uh, Zach Levine or Donovan Mitchell. Um, he's not, maybe not quite as, he's not as tall as Shea. Shea's got probably two or three inches on him, and, you know, it's tough to replicate what Shea does. It's hard to even describe what Shea does. But, you know, I think Keontae's got a chance to be in that realm of guards as a scoring guard, and I think it's worth taking a chance on. Again, I think, you know, at this point, you're taking the third best shot creator in the class, but I think you're still taking a guy who has a chance to be one of the two best creators on your team, which, hey, that's the sort of risk you got to take at this point. Um, number six in the draft, sticking with guards. This one's a lot different, though, from the past two guys. This is a, not a shot creator uh, in the traditional sense, but I'm taking Kaysen Wallace, number six overall uh, out of Kentucky. Kaysen Wallace is one of these guys uh, who came up in Texas. I believe Keontae George was a Texas guy as well, though he went to IMG for at least his last year, maybe his last couple of years. Uh, but Kaysen stuck around in Texas. Um, Kaysen Wallace is a big-time off-ball guard. He is a very good shooter. He is one of the best defensive guards if not the best defensive guard, if not the defense, best defensive player, uh, or at the very least freshman in college basketball. Um, I have been workshopping this. You know, it's not something super complex, but uh, I sort of mentioned earlier the three skills you need are dribbling, passing, shooting, and then defense would be the fourth uh, just fundamental thing that a basketball player needs. But, you know, ranking those skills one out of ten, you know, Case and Wallen's a ten on defense. Case and, Wall Case and Wallace is going to be – a borderline all defensive guard for the next 12 years. Like I'm comfortable banking on that right now. Like he's a good athlete. He's 19 years old and he's already um, defending against sec guards with the best of them. He's had some injury problems. So his production hasn't been quite what you might hope it would be um, recently at the very least. Um, I, I've got his defining skill listed as off guard skills which again, this sort of gets into his ability to shoot. I think he's going to be somebody that's really good when he gets the ball swung to him. Somebody they can drive off of an advantage situation. Um, I think he's somebody that is going to be just fine taking seven or eight shots in a game uh, and making four or five of those shots. Uh, I think he's going to contribute what he can. 
think he's going to get you some steals. You know, he's probably going to average steal and a half a game, you know, 0.8 blocks a game. Uh, he's going to be efficient. He's not going to turn the ball over much. I just think this guy is going to be a starter on your team. I think he can play alongside a point guard. I think he can play alongside a creator like Luca. I think if you really need him to be your creator at some points, I think he can be that. Uh, I don't think he'll ever be Keontae George level of shot creator, but I think he can be like a lower level lead guard, if not necessarily a shot creator in the uh, pull-up jumper sense of the term, but in terms of more of the conventional point guard running the offense, I think Casey Wallace can do more of that than people give him credit for. Even though, again, I am describing his skill set as more off guard stuff. Uh, I think he can be like a real on ball point guard. I just don't think he'll be like a top 10 on ball point guard. Uh, I think part of the beauty of his skill is that he can play some on and off. Um, Casey Wallace guys that he brings to mind, you know, I haven't thought of any other than the easiest comparison in the world, which is, to say Drew Holiday. Uh, Drew Holiday is a phenomenal defensive guard. The biggest difference I would say between the two of them is Jabal, uh, sorry, Drew Holiday is way beefier than Kaysen Wallace. Kaysen Wallace is a little bit skinnier. Um, I want to say Kaysen Wallace might have slightly longer arms. He's a little bit lankier. Uh, not lanky by any means, but a, compared to Drew Holiday, who Drew Holiday is like a thick, meaty brick house of a man. Like there's a reason he matched up against forwards and wings in his day like he can play in the post he's got like that hard and like burly shoulders type of body uh case wallace is not quite like that I, I almost want to call him more of like in um an eric bledsoe on defense that really undersells his offense but uh maybe more in that mold on defense and then on offense i just think he's going to be a solid point guard that can run occasional pick and rolls isn't going to create too much but you know if you've got a star you can get it to your star he can shoot a little bit off the dribble. I think he'll be more shooting off the catch. But, you know, I think he's going to be, again, I one of the things that I think is going to be a key philosophy for me in drafting is going to be, do you meet the base requirements to play in the NBA in these four categories? Dribbling, passing, specifically off the dribble, shooting, specifically off the dribble, or that's not really fair to say. I would say shooting, versatile shooting whether it be movement shooting on the three, uh, you know, unset three shooting in the mid range. Maybe it's almost more even touch, right? Like I think at this point in time, even the most, you know, PJ Tucker ish of three point stand in the corner. All I'm going to do is shoot threes. Like those guys, it's tough to really just shoot threes. You really have to have a little bit more of an offensive game than that. Um, especially if we're taking you this high. Um, but Casey Wallace is just a guy that I think can really excel in every baseline skill, passing, dribbling, um, passing, dribbling, shooting, and defense. I think he's going to be very good at all four of those skills. I think he's going to be better than most players on his team. I think it's going to be the reason that he's in a rotation for virtually all of his career. Uh, and that he'll be getting a lot of minutes at a lot of points in his career. I just, <laughs> he's almost too good to fail. That's how I would describe him. You know, I'm not a huge fan of these like, oh, high ceiling or high floor, low ceiling uh, statements. I think it's a little bit of a fallacy. I think Kaysen's got like a, a higher ceiling than people might want to give him credit for. But I do think there's just a really 
really high chance that he's going to play a lot of minutes and relatively early on, which the earlier you can submit yourself as an NBA player, the better for your career. Uh, no doubt about that. So number seven on my board next, after talking about Kaysen, this is a guy that I alluded to earlier. I could very easily see number seven, Jairus Walker, ending up as a top three guy on my board, if not maybe a top five guy. Jairus Walker, um, I got into a little bit of a rambling statement about uh, referring to Kaysen Wallace and the baseline skills and how shooting doesn't necessarily mean just catch and shoot shooting, right? Or just standstill free throw shooting. I think shooting a lot of what it entails these days. I think we've moved beyond the pure three and D like all you can do. All you need to do is stand in the corner, shoot threes and then defend your man. I think to be a solid offensive player, you have to be able to score in more ways. You have to be able to get in the paint and finish in traffic, whether you have like a little floater game or contested layups, you have to be able to finish sometimes in the mid range. You have to, your three pointers are not generally going to be clean. You're going to be either moving or your feet aren't going to be set or it's a pick and pop or you're, you know, coming off of a dribble handoff or something or the pass is low, you know, whatever it is. I think being a versatile shooter and scorer is really what defines you as a good shooter slash scorer. And I think Jairus Walker is exactly the type of example of somebody that is maybe not a great catch and shoot three point shooter, maybe not a very prominent one by any means. Um, I mean, if you look at his stats this year, he's shot only a couple of threes this entire year. I believe he's actually, he's shot 41 threes in 21 games, which is not nothing. That's a, a round two per game. Um, however, he's six foot eight. He's a forward. He's a guy that likes to dribble, handle the ball, likes to score for that type of player. Generally you want to see them be a three point shooter. Right. If you're going to be a shooter, you want to see that from three. You know, another red flag, um, maybe you don't want to call it three point shooting a red flag, but the free throw shooting, I would say, is a bit of a red flag. Uh, shooting 2.4 game, which is not a ton. Uh, you know, he plays 26 minutes, you know, only takes nine field goals. So it's not like he's taking a huge volume of shots, but uh, 2.4 field goals a game. Uh, and he's, and so he's taken 50 overall for context. He's only made 32 of them. So he's shooting 50, 64% from free throw line, which is not very good for somebody that um, I think a lot of why people are enticed by Jairus Walker is that they think he has potential to be a shooter and a real scorer. Um, but the beauty of Jairus Walker is that those stats are a little deceptive you watch something like, and of course, I'm going to pick his best game of the season, partially because that is his most recent game and the one that I most recently have seen. But in this game last Saturday against Cincinnati, uh, Jairus had 25 points on 10 for 14 shooting. He probably had four or five pull-up, not pull-up necessarily, but more like turnaround sort of sort of dribble into like a little post move uh, and then pull up for kind of a fadeaway not really fading though, sort of fading a little bit to the side. I just pull up mid range jump shots that he was just canning, you know, we had a couple more like ugly ish floater type of things that were just like, this is just like somebody that has really good feel and has managed you to get shots off and getting buckets. I, I, I think when you really watch the games for Walker, you start to see like 
Oh, he's got really good. I'm going to go back to this well again. This may become one of my catchphrases as well. Uh, he's got phenomenal touch, man. He's just got such good touch. He, he just looks like he could score all sorts of different – like he's one of these guys I bet could like score on like hook shots and like post fadeaways. Like I trust him on a tougher diet of shots than I would expect for a guy that is six foot eight, two 240 pounds. Um, I've actually got his defining skill listed as defense and defense and athleticism, but it's funny. I, I've only been talking about his scoring and shooting this whole time because I think that really is the swing skill that again, I've got him ranked seven right now. I've got him at a three on the confidence meter. That's mostly me thinking that he could move up because I'm very confident in him playing defense. Again, I talked about those scores earlier. I've got his defensive baseline at an eight, uh, and that could probably even move up. Um, For context, I've got his shooting at a 3.5, but I've got his dribbling and passing at sevens. I think he's going to be a solid offensive. He's got good offensive feel. You know, it's just a matter of whether the scoring really clicks, but I've got no questions about the defense. He's got great defensive instincts, very few lapses, at least from what I've seen. Uh, and I mean, he's just one of these guys that's like, oh yeah, he's got great tools. I mean, he does, but he's also just really good at defense already. Like he just, he he's not a flashes guy. He's a, I'm executing every single play on offense and defense, specifically in this case, defense. Like you don't have to extrapolate that much from what he's doing. Just like map him in, onto an NBA court right now. It just works. So I've got his confidence meter currently at a three. Uh, I think there's a very good chance that he ends up moving up. Um, I could see him ending up at four, maybe potentially at three. I don't want to watch some more Brandon Miller, some more Cam Whitmore. Um, Kaysen and Keontae I'm relatively confident in. I think if I'm a little more confident in Jairus as a shooter, um, then I'm going to get a little bit closer. But I think he's just got a chance to be like, again, you know, he's not going to be your primary shot creator, but I think that there's just a lot of shots that get taken in the modern NBA. Uh, there's just more possessions. There's more shots to be taken. I think Jairus could be somebody that's getting some more unconventional shots. You know, someone that's trusted with some of the harder shots in the offense, which if you're 6'8 and a phenomenal defender and you can do that, boy, oh, man, that is big time. So, He's somebody that I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to sleep on sleep on my ranking to him. Uh, but that's Jairus Walker at number seven, um, closing out this tier of the early lotto uh, picks two through eight. This is the guy I've probably seen the least on, and I don't even know if I would say I have the most questions, just because I don't even know what questions to ask. Uh, Nick Smith out of Arkansas. Um, Nick Smith actually played with fellow five star recruit Kalal Ware in high school. Um, I didn't look very far back, but they at the very least played their senior together at North Little Rock High. Um, so he is from Arkansas. Uh, he was ranked number one, at least by some recruiting sites. Uh, Derek Whitehead and Derek Lively also had some number one rankings, but he was a big time prospect. 6'5 guard. Uh, he's actually still 18. He'll turn 19 in April. Uh, but 6'5 point guard who is supposed to be well, from what I've seen, you know, he definitely looks like a very quick guard. Um, you know, watched a little bit of his high school tape and the sparse Arkansas tape. You know, I'd say you mostly just need to go watch uh, a little bit of his high school tape uh, playing alongside Khalil. 
Um, he's a pretty quick guy. I you know have his defining skill listed as shot creation. He might be a little bit closer to a pure point guard than uh, I don't see Keontae as a pure point guard, and I see Cam Whitmore as you know a wing. Same for Brandon Miller. I think they're both wings. Uh, Scoot Henderson is maybe his closest competition as a true point guard, but Nick Smith I think is the other one where kind of your modern point guard of like yeah like I'll do some distribution I'll I'll bring the ball up but I'm mostly trying to get my own shot um I think Nick Smith and Scoot Henderson could both definitely um use some ball handling around them you know Joe Ingles is like the classic oh yeah just bring in this forward that can you know do some actual dribbling and passing but you know I I, I, Nick Smith I don't have a ton to talk about just because I haven't seen a lot of them and it's just not a lot to judge right now uh I, I I'm Slot them right here because the high school tape is really good. Um, I like the archetype of being, you know, a six foot five potential lead guard, but definitely a scoring guard uh, that is a really good shooter, but can also um, finish on the interior with, you know, he seems like he's got a pretty solid floater. Again, I'm going to go back to it. He seems like he's got a solid touch game around the rim. Um, or at the very least, you know, driving. Uh, I don't know how he really is as a passer, but, you know, I think shooting dribbling-wise, I'm pretty confident. You know, passing is the one thing I'm a little nervous about, and defense, who knows. But, you know, if he's if he's a really good dribbler, shooter, and he can be a solid passer, uh, I think he probably belongs here. But, you know, I've got his confidence rating at a two. Like, I'm not very confident on my, you know, it brings to mind for me, uh, I've got Jordan Poole with only one question mark, <laughs> You know, a couple of my other comps have three or four question marks. Um, but, you know, I, I just kind of see him as maybe this, like, quick gunner type that can get to spots relatively quickly and have um, a hair trigger. I, I just don't really know if he's got, like, the passing and the patience and the change of speed to actually be, like, an every-down ball handler, or if he's going to be more of like an off-ball scoring guard, in which case, if he's an off, if he's like a scoring guard off-ball, I think he's probably more like a top 20 pick, more like, you know, the 15th pick. You know, I, I think at that point, you're debating whether you want him or Turquavon Smith. You know, right now I'm giving him the credit of being this, you know, not just a five-star, but like a top three prospect uh, who's supposed to have like good athleticism, good shooting, I'm giving him a little bit of benefit of the doubt, but um, I think this is one where hopefully he's going to be in the combine. Hopefully he's going to show something at Arkansas, but if he doesn't, then I think we're going to dig back into the high school tape more aggressively. And if things don't really pass the smell check, then he might start falling down boards a little bit more. Um, I think he's already started to fall down some, certainly less than Derek Whitehead. Um, Derek Whitehead has just not looked very athletic. Um, but Nick Smith could follow that same tra- trajectory. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. All right, and I'm going to close things out with my number nine and number 10 guys on my big board. Uh, again, the previous tier of the early lotto went from picks two to eight. Uh, just to run through, actually, the whole board. So number one, tier of his own, Victor Romanyama. Uh, tier... Early lotto, which is picks two through eight, was Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, Cam Whitmore, Keontae George, Kaysen Wallace, Jarris Walker, Nick Smith. Uh, nine and ten, these are the two. Uh, I imagine people have probably noticed by now that I haven't mentioned them, 
Um, probably the two that jump off the screen, specifically number nine. Uh, Amon and Osar Thompson, I have back-to-back at number nine and ten. Um, I don't really think I've seen Amon Thompson outside the top five very much, um, and I think nine and ten are lower than I've pretty much seen anyone have these guys. Um, I still think they're really good basketball players. I mean, I have them ranked ninth and tenth in their class. I mean, I think they might be really good. I think they've got a lot of potential – they're phenomenal athletes. Um, I will say I haven't watched again. These are, you know, I I've, I've watched enough to get a feel on them, but I certainly want to watch more. Um, and I will say in the amount that I've watched, I haven't gotten a super great feel on what makes them different as prospects. Um, I know Amin is generally considered more of the ball handler, passer facilitator and Osar is considered more of the three point shooter, but to be frank, I can't say I saw either of them as much of a three-point shooter. So, uh, and, and I can't say that the ball handling or the creation looked that much better with Amen. Um, again, I, you know, I've only watched a couple of games, so maybe I'll be proven wrong. Um, but I guess the thing to start with, again, since I'm being a little bit negative on them, uh, the defining skill I see is their rim pressure and their athletic burst. Uh, which again, I think is is great. I think they can clearly get to the rim. They both seem to have enough of a functional dribble, and then also just you know phenomenal athleticism uh, and coordination and some ability to stay under control. Um, you know some of the small things there with you know um, balance. You know that sort of acceleration deceleration ability. Some of those smaller things I, I have been a little bit impressed by with those two as drivers. Uh, sometimes they can be a little bit. I mean, frankly, it's tough to tell in OT. It literally is. It's. I've never really watched AAU basketball before, so I, I've never really seen defense this bad. I guess I just never really appreciated good defense until I watched some OT basketball. Um, I mean, it's it's abhorrent. There's just plays that are no contest, you know? I mean, there are like interior passes and, you know, wide open back screen or backdoor cuts and dunks and stuff that are just, you know, it's, it's a no contest by the defense and not that, not that the offense won the rep, just the defender decided I'm just going to take the playoff. So it's, it's it's bizarre to kind of watch them in that situation, that context. And clearly they're going to have to spend a lot of time playing against players that are, a lot better and play against players that are really trying on defense in a five on five context. Cause that's the toughest thing about being a rim crasher is not beating your man and scoring. It's beating your man and the rim protector or beating your man and whoever the help is, you know, um, making the pass out to the perimeter. That's what they really haven't been tested with yet. So I don't necessarily even think that Amin and us are going to be bad NBA players. Again, I have them as the ninth and the 10th best prospects on my board. There are a lot of guys behind them that I think are going to be good NBA players that I have not taken yet. But the main reason I'm concerned about these guys, and again, I've got their confidence meter at a two for both of them. I'm very unsure. They could move in either direction, to be honest, you know, probably more up, but I could see them moving down as well. More, more again, because I'm more impressed with their guys. But, you know, I've got their uh, their defensive baselines, I think, are very high. I think they'll be good defenders. You know, I think they both have solid tape. There's not a lot of team defense being played, but they're clearly solid individual defenders. And it's not like they're losing focus. You know, like the defensive lapses I mentioned earlier, they, they don't seem to have a ton of those, even though there is not a lot of focus that needs to be done in the game they're playing. 
Um, the main concern, obviously, is the shooting. I don't even want to talk that much about that because, you know, the main thing, the main observation I'll make on the shooting, it's not just the catch and shoot threes. It's not just free throw shooting. It's also that they don't take up pull up mid range shots. They don't take post fadeaways. They don't take like floaters. They don't take runners. They don't really take difficult shots or any sort of like touch shots. It is very much a layup heavy diet. Um, and that makes me a little bit nervous because as you've heard over the last 45 minutes or whatever, I've just rambled for, I really like players with touch and I don't know if either of these guys has decent touch, let alone good touch. And that is the biggest concern with their shooting. The second concern I have, which coupled with the shooting is what's making me really nervous. And again, giving me a confidence score of two out of 10 I don't know how good they are with the ball in their hands. I don't think Amon Thompson's a point guard. I don't think they are like above average ball handlers, dribblers for the wing position in the NBA. I don't think they're above average passers. I I don't even know that they're going to be like heavily involved as secondary creators. I think what they're going to be best at is guys that can catch and attack off the dribble and score and score in transition. I think they would be phenomenal actually in the NBL. I've watched a couple of games to watch Ryan repair and their game seems much more predicated on there's no superstar. Uh, sorry. I haven't watched nearly enough to say this sort of definitive things, but it seems to be less superstar focused and more. We have five guys. Anyone can dribble and attack and either score or kick out. And I think Amon and Osar would do awesome in that context, because if you swing them the ball and they've got any sort of hesitation in the defense or any sort of miscommunication of the defense, they can break in and score easy peasy. No problem about it. I trust them there. I don't trust them if they start to get, heavy rim protection and they have to make kickouts consistently or they have to make interior passes, not even the, the passing. I think they can learn, but I don't know if they, they have good enough. And again, the dribble, the passing, the shooting, those are the three fundamental offensive skills I've kind of identified. You can get better at all of those. And I think they will get better at all of those because that is the one thing I do want to give them credit for is everybody people have gone out of their way to talk about how great they are as people and how hard they work and what upstanding citizens they are. Like most prospects aren't getting slandered, but it's also not every day that you see people talked about in the way that Ahmed and Osar Thompson are like people talk about them as if they are like curing cancer. They talk about them as if they are phenomenal, upstanding human beings, which is, really important. And I think they work very hard, which is really important. If you're that athletic and you're going to work hard, like there's a reason RJ Barrett is probably going to be a starter for the next 15 years, despite being a little bit of a disappointment. And it's because he's pretty athletic and he's got some solid skills and because he works really, really hard. And I think Ahmed and Osar Thompson, that might be somewhat of a comparison for them. Uh, they're certainly both more athletic than RJ. That's not even close, but RJ is a better shooter. Uh, and honestly, I would say a better dribbler uh, and just has better offensive feel, um, at least, you know, when coming to the league, uh, not necessarily the most passing feel, uh, having been someone that loves Zion at Duke, or RJ at Duke, not the greatest pass in the world, but 
as far as, you know, like a shooter and somebody that was comfortable being an on-ball guy, I think RJ was a little more developed. Um, Amin and Osar Thompson, I think, are going to be good NBA players. I'm just a little worried that they're going to come in and they're not going to be able to provide much value early on. And either they're going to be on tanking teams for a couple years and they're not going to learn how to play really good winning basketball or they're going to get to good teams and they're going to be kind of stuck on the bench. Um, and it's just going to be uh, a la Jonathan Kaminga, right? Um, these guys are probably more skilled than Kaminga, but, you know, similar, just it's hard to really develop if you're on the bench for two years. You know, I think there's a lot you can do, um, but there's still – there's a there's a point at which you got to be able to get on the floor, right? Um, I am very hesitant to even say this because this is frankly insulting, um, and I, I don't even you know I don't. So I'm trying to use this brings to mind category just as this is not a comparison in terms of I think these two players are similar, or in this case, this pair of twins and this player are similar. Um, I'm trying to use it as these guys, I can see similarities in the way that they play. Thinking in that way, what does one group do better than the other? So the comparison that I have written down here is Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson came out in the 2017 draft, came out of Kansas. He was a very athletic 6'7 or so, maybe 6'8 forward that had pretty good ball handling, pretty good passing vision. Wasn't much of a shooter or a scorer, but I would say probably shot it a little more than the Thompson twins, uh, or I would say probably equal to, to be fair. Um, I think Josh Jackson had some behavioral issues, probably in terms of, you know, his work ethic and stuff like that. And just, you know, at, at this point in time, it doesn't matter how talented you are. You have to love basketball and want to be a really good professional uh, or you're just not going to be a great professional. You know, you, you can be a – you can make money. You can be a bench player, but unless you want to be really working at it, you're not going to be a great player. Um, so this Josh Jackson comparison, again, I think that there's 0% chance that Ahmed and Oss are, aren't better than Josh Jackson. I think they are just inherently more talented – and I think they have a way better head on their shoulders. But I do think it's worth noting that Josh Jackson was playing high-level Big 12 basketball, was showing off dribbling skills, was showing off some scoring ability. I think I don't think people were necessarily thinking of him as a point guard, but similar in the way that Amen has been thought of as like, oh, he's kind of like a point forward ish type of guy. And Osar, I think has gotten some of that too. I, I would be, I think there's a good chance this comparison is just complete nonsense, but I guess this is just a way for me to try to frame why I'm a little bit nervous about those guys, because the thing with being somebody that can't really shoot is that if you aren't really good at the other things, the dribbling and the passing and the defense, then there's a really big problem. There's already a problem if you can't shoot. You know, really, you need to be able to shoot, you need to be able to dribble, and you need to be able to pass. Or you need to be in some specialty role that allows you to not do one of those three things. But if you can't shoot and you're dribbling or your passing is kind of suboptimal for your position, like you're just not really going to play. 
Um, and again, I think these guys are going to grow. But if you come in after playing OTE and it takes you two or three years to really get comfortable and then your skills are kind of growing alongside there, like I just I, I'm a little nervous, number one, if I think some guys are going to get a head start on them and they're just, you know, in a better position to start performing and growing and playing big minutes. And, you know, that's how you grow in the NBA is you play big minutes, and you play uh, important situations. Um, I also just think there's a chance that Amin and, and or Asar uh, get a little bit lapped because that's the problem with when you take two or three years, especially if you're on a bad team, there's new prospects in front of you. I mean, just look, think, think about Kaminga, right? Kaminga hasn't necessarily done anything to prove that he's not a great prospect. No one's really passed him. And yet he's still just declined so much in the minds of, you know, evaluators slash the Warriors slash other teams. Um, I would just be very cautious about what situation they were going into. You know, one thing um, Raphael Barlow on his show has mentioned a couple of times is if you draft one of the Thompson twins, you go and you find Chip England or Fred Vinson or one of these other prodigal shooting coaches and pay them three times what they're making right now and just make that investment into their shooting. And I will say, I think that's a really good idea because if Amin and Asar show up and all of a sudden can make six threes, or sorry, can shoot six threes a game at 35%, this is a game changer, right? If they can come in and show that they have some level of touch and they can shoot some in the mid range and shoot some at floater range, like this evaluation totally shifts. I'm just at this point, Again, I've got a confidence score of two overall for these guys, but I don't know that I am willing to believe that they can learn to shoot at a level that's going to allow them to be real high-level players in the NBA. And at the end of the day, that's just – unless I can move off of that evaluation, I don't really know how I can put them above someone like Jairus Walker, right? I mean, I think Jairus Walker is a similar level of athlete – you know, Amin and Asarf more, they'd probably win in a sprint, but in terms of like functional defensive athleticism, stuff like that, um, you know, Jairus is like eight months younger. It's not like they've got anything there. And Jairus is way better at shooting. And I think Jairus is a better dribbler and passer. I just, I, I think it's more functional. I think Jairus is a way more functional player than those two. Um, and I think there's a good, I think the problem with this is there's a good chance that the Thompson twins come in and just prove me completely wrong. Um, and I'm a little nervous about that, but you know, you gotta take your stand on these kind of things and maybe I will move off of this position. Maybe they'll start shooting. Maybe I'll just see something. But as of right now, I've got Amin and Osar as my nine and 10 guys on my big board. Uh, so yeah, that's that's it. You know, I'll run back through it real quick. Uh, top ten guys on my board again. This is board 1.0. You know, today is February 1st of 2023. Like, there's a lot of time before the draft. A lot of basketball to be played. A lot of combine scores. Lots of drafts. Nonsense. Uh, speculation to be had. Lots of wingspans to be measured. Um, but as of right now, my top ten. Number one, Victor Wimbanyama in his own tier. The number one tier, number one overall, whatever. It's pretty good. Uh, my second tier, the early lotto tier, picks two through eight. Number two, Scoot Henderson. Number three, Brandon Miller. Number four, Cam Whitmore. Number five, Keontae George. Number six, Keeson Wallace. Number seven, Jarris Walker. Number eight, Nick Smith. Then my next tier, which actually goes down to 
<laughs> number 21, which is why I named it uh, Top 20, uh, because why not? We like to have fun here. Isn't that right? Um, number nine and number 10, which actually, uh, late happy birthday. These guys' birthday was uh, January 30th, so they are officially 20 years old, but Amin and Asar Thompson come in at nine and 10, respectively, on my board. So that's it for this episode. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed. Hopefully that was some decent analysis. Uh, I'll come out with picks. Well, not picks, but, you know, numbers, rankings 11 through 20 on my big board relatively soon. Um, I've already posted the rankings on my Twitter, so feel free to go check those out. I'm sure I'll have some updates relatively soon. Uh, there's already a couple of guys. You know, I mentioned Jairus Walker, who I'm already itching to move up. So I'm sure there'll be some action relatively soon, but hopefully I can get the uh, other two podcasts out on these on this big board 1.0 before I start making changes. But, you know, anyways, thanks for coming and hanging out. This has been really cool. I don't know why you listened to me talk for the last hour, but thanks for doing it. And hopefully you learned something. Uh, and if you did, you know, leave a review, tweet about it. That'd be cool. If not, tweet about it. Block me, something, whatever. And I appreciate everybody out there. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Stay safe. Find out.